What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of It's Your World. I'm your host, Jordan Brown, a.k.a. Uptown Jordan Brown, a.k.a. Big Buckets Brown. Again, that's never, that's probably never going to stick. But I want to start this episode off first by saying thank you, Jordan Little, Mr. Jordan Little, the CEO and founder of Community Cup Lift. Appreciate you coming on to the show for a follow-up episode, bro. Man. It's a great episode, and it's great to see people come on to the show, one, to publicize what they're working on, two, to see the growth of an app and an idea they put together in their head, they put it all together. And if you do hear someone in the background doing this live, guys, we had an open mic at Riddles Comedy Club every Monday, so you can come check me out, man. Um, yeah, it's pretty dope. we got a nice little list together now, but everybody's not here yet, so you might hear a couple of voices in the background, but everything's cool. Um, the main thing I want to say is um, I hope you guys are ready for this episode. I know it's different because I'm not really talking that much, mostly just listening and trying to figure out exactly what's going on with Lindsay. It's been a while since we've spoken or even seen each other. I met Lindsay, uh, Dr. Lindsay McMillan-Brown at uh, Miami of Ohio. And she graduated from there with her undergrad and then went to Yale for her graduate's degree. She was an engineering student, and I was an athlete, and we kind of brushed shoulders a little bit. You know how you meet people and you see them around, and you kind of, well, you don't really have that close-knit friendship, but you do see each other, and you talk, you know, you see each other in the student center, and you just, like, that's what college is about to me. You kind of meet different people, you cross paths with them, you network, and then hopefully later on you get to reconnect and do shit like this, podcast episodes, and um, social media posts about how successful the other person is, and the person uh, doing the podcast gets to brag about you a little bit, so we actually got to um, talk a lot about where she is now in life, how she got there, you know, what her experience was at Miami and also what it was like at Yale. I think the most important part about that interview to me was actually sitting down with someone who went to an Ivy League school. Um, I know we hear about it, we hear about the tradition, we hear about the families that have legacies there and then to be an African American woman, to be that successful to be able to achieve the things she's achieved, to have those experiences at that type of environment and that type of institution, it kind of, um, kind of got to give her a props, man. It's big ups to her, man. We um, got to sit down while she was here in Chicago at a uh, conference, an engineering conference or a STEM conference or um, here in Chicago a couple of weeks back. And I wanted to sit down with her and have her on the show. You get to see who she is, uh, what she's into, um, kind of get to admire somebody from afar and watch the success that they're having. I think, um, like I said, this is this is a very different episode because she's not in the same lane as the creatives or the entrepreneurs or the artists, the fashion designers um, or chefs or whatever. Uh, she, she's different from those uh, guys, but she is in that, we, we touched on this a little bit, how she is in that kind of creative mode, because as an engineer, you're figuring out how to do shit that people have never done before. Um, we talk a lot about her working with different experience, experiments and stuff like that at NASA and what that means for her. Um, one of the main things that I took from this is you can pretty much do whatever the fuck you want to do, so... 
Um, just got to really work your ass off. And I don't want to be cliche and say, put your mind to it, you can do whatever. But I think um, it takes a little bit of talent. I think it takes some intelligence. I think it takes some savvy to kind of maneuver, you know, some of the social aspects of things that we talk about in this episode. But I really enjoyed this one, guys, and I hope you enjoyed it too. So let me know what you think. for you, Dr. McMillan Brown, is that what? That's a name, that's it. <laughs> Introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, hi everyone, uh, my name is Lindsay McMillan Brown, I guess Dr. Lindsay McMillan Brown. I have a newly minted PhD from Yale in chemical engineering. Nice. Um, specifically, my research is on solar cells, so um, my thesis was on new materials and patterns that can help solar cells absorb more light and therefore be more efficient or more affordable. I think we met, what, junior year at Miami? Yeah, I think I was a year under you. Right, well, my junior year. Yeah, so your junior year, yeah. It feels like so long ago. After you you said that, we were upstairs, like, seven years. That's that's a long time. Yeah, it's been a while. I also feel like everyone has been out in the world living a whole life, and I've been in school, school. like, locked away in a cave. But you got it done, though. So congratulations. <laughs> Round you. of applause for that. Thank you, thank you. Um, proud of you. Thank you, I, I think, appreciate it. I think I spoke to you right before you started at Yale and a little bit just talking about it. Like, how was that experience? Though? Going to Yale? Mm-hmm. It was It was very difficult, actually. Um, it was intellectually difficult, which I had anticipated. Right. I knew, you know, you got to bring your A game. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and that was the first adjustment I had to get used to because everyone there was the top of wherever they came from. So a lot of people that were used to being the top and not everyone can be at the top anymore. So there was some like soul crushing of like, <laughs> you're pretty mediocre here, wow. you know? Um, so that was an adjustment that we collectively as a cohort had to go through. It was like, you know, the pond just got much bigger and you're a small fish. Um, and then I had to go through like, the way kind of emotionally that I interfaced with Yale was very different than Miami. Right. I felt like Miami really made me feel like a person, an individual, I mattered. Um, and at Yale, I felt like insignificant in this small cog in this huge machine that mm-hmm. wouldn't realize if he weren't there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like emotionally kind of difficult to deal with. Um, and then as my time evolved there, I became tremendously aware of race um, during my time at Yale. It was um, very in your face and very blatant. Uh, Yale is obviously a very old institution. Um, they've been around since 1701, and it feels like the mentality has not changed much since right. 1701. Well, it's a tradition, you know. So. Exactly, and that's that culture and the mindset, and it, it gets passed down. And we were, we being people of color, students at Yale, were constantly challenged for our membership at this space. Mm-hmm. Um, the initial thought was, you don't go here, you don't belong here, you must be some resident of New Haven. Um, or if you are here, you're only here because if somebody gave you a handout, you know, it must be affirmative action or it must be this. Um, and dealing with that was really hard to earn, you know, we all earned our spots. Right. And to have to 
argue with that every day while you're also facing challenging academic work. So then the back of your head is like, well, can I do this? You know, but you're like, nobody gave, you know, nobody gave me anything to get here. Um, So that was, those were all challenges. But I guess, you know, that's that's the world, yeah, unfortunately. I mean, that's that's <laughs> kind of what I'm finding even in just, like, stand-up. And mm-hmm. there's certain spaces where you can be in. And, you know, that's like a buzzword now. It's like, what spaces can you be in? And yeah. you feel like yourself, like you can be yourself. You Absolutely. feel comfortable. And I think one of the most important parts of doing this show is just to have you on one as an African-American female in STEM, which I know you you know that's a big deal because a lot of people are discussing it. A lot of people are having conversations about funneling more African American males yeah. and females into that, you know, industry. Absolutely. You know, even if it's just tech or whatever, but the idea that I know somebody that was a part of that, and, you know, you're probably encouraging young black people to do the same thing. Um, I wanted to have you on just to discuss that, discuss what's going on with you and everything, because I know you have. What Did you start at uh, NASA? Or, yeah, yeah, I start full-time in August, okay. so I decided to take the summer off to, like, emotionally heal and recover right. from the experience. So I'm taking the summer off when that starts full-time. And that, that's like dope as hell. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, yeah, it works out nicely. It's my dream job, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited, and I'm realizing more and more every day that the people I work with at NASA are very special. They are very open-minded, very inclusive. That feels like a safe space to me, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes you start to take that for granted and think that that, mm-hmm. might, that like environment would exist anywhere, but that's definitely not the case. So at least I feel intellectually nurtured there, mm-hmm. which is nice. So you are actually a different interviewee because most people are doing like um, creative stuff. But in a way, I guess engineering could be creative because you are coming up with new ideas, different ways to do shit. So So, um, I would probably want to tap into like, what's your process? You know, how how do you go through? How do you? How did you maneuver through year one and even achieve you know the success you have academically and everything like that? Like, what was it like being you a little bit in that situation? Yeah, so um, for me, I think probably the biggest thing that got me through Yale was just grit and not giving up. Um, You know, I was a mechanical engineer major in undergrad, and then I switched to chemical engineering for grad school, so that already added some complications because I didn't have the prereqs that they had. Um, But I was just like... I called my mom. I was like, you know, I don't know if I can do this. I was like, but I'm not leaving. They're going to have to kick me out. And that was just, I went through all six years. I'm like, no one asked me to leave yet. So I'm just going to keep showing up and doing my thing. Um, And I think that's really important because I think a lot of times all people, um, but certainly I've like mentored uh, young people of color and young women that are undergrads, you know, doing a science research project with me. And I'll tell them, we place this glass ceiling above ourselves. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes the limit that we mentally impose on ourselves may even be lower than that which society has put over us. I think us. with that idea that it's, I feel like you kind of come into that situation probably with the idea of what the environment is going to be like. Yeah. So you kind of, not so much put it uh, on yourselves, but like the expectation is just like, okay, well, I may not be able to get right. to this point. It's like, oh, wait, 
to keep edging yourself on to get you know exactly. a more reward uh, yeah. yeah reach for it let someone else tell you no don't mm, take yourself out, out of the, the race equation, yeah. yeah like just put in for it um you see a lot of people you know oh, i don't want to apply to the ivs i'm like somebody has to go why not you mm. you know put in an application they'll tell you you know it's it's no no loss mm. might as well try but they might say yes it's true. No. What's the worst thing? Because that's what, what my thing was. What's the worst thing you say? No. Exactly. You already <laughs> said that to yourself, right. so you won't be that heartbroken. Um, yeah. So I think that, like, will to not give up mm-hmm. and then really leaning on my support system. Mm-hmm. So when I started there, I thought my support system was going to be my advisor, the dean, you know, that academic system that they show you. Um, that system failed me <laughs> there. Um, so I had to build my own support system. So I was leaning on an old professor from Miami that I'm okay. still really close with, and he guided me all the way through. Shout out to Dr. Atuni. Mm-hmm. He's OG. Um, and my parents and friends from NASA, colleagues, you know. Um, I met my husband at Yale, and okay. he started out as a friend. We met the first day, um, orientation, and we leaned on each other throughout the process and other friends. Mm-hmm. So kind of building that space. It wasn't the the way I envisioned my support system would be, but it supported me through, which is really all that you need. Yeah, I think it's good to have people to have your back in those type of situations. Even when when like stand up for me is probably not on the same level. But then again, I think when we talk about the intellectual aspect of it because you got different types of comics here and yes. then like the competition like you said it's a competitive industry in mm-hmm. a way and we're all trying to get to a certain level yeah. um you can kind of have those good days and those bad days what was it like for you the good days and what was it like for you the <laughs> bad days I'm, I'm trying to do something different here because i think it's interesting to talk about you know the process in a, from an academic standpoint yeah. and uh, professional in a way because I think yeah. um, a lot of people don't get to hear these types of conversations especially when we talk about the one to make it like, <laughs> <laughs> or I, I don't know I, I brag about you when people ask me like who who do you know who is you know you are one of those special people I think and I always talk about you like so well, I kind of want to I like yeah that's, that's my homegirl I appreciate <laughs> it absolutely yeah um, that's funny. So I feel like the interesting thing about being a scientific researcher um, is you get really wrapped up in your experiments. And sometimes the success or failure of an experiment starts to feel like the success or failure of like you as an individual. I can see that. Yeah, because you pour so much energy True. and so much thought. Time, and everything. Yeah, and you're really kind of relying on it um, and even more so as a PhD student because your graduation depends is, on the success depends of on the success of these experiments so maybe you have you know three publications that you need to get out like peer-reviewed scientific publications um, which relies on like three independent scientific discoveries and no one has yet to do for mm-hmm. the field um, That's and, interesting. Yeah, and when those things start, you know, failing and you spend a month or two months or a year and a half trying to get something to work and it doesn't, you're just watching this finish line get further and further away. And it can be really difficult to keep your spirits up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what those bad days were like before I could identify it and understand that that's why because you're just leaving you're in a foul mood and you don't really know why you're in a bad mood or why you feel this way um so those were particularly difficult um but as i came to identify what was at work at least you could try to counteract it um and that was
was surrounding myself with people who, you know, love me and whom I love and get some encouragement and remember that you have value outside of your job or your responsibility. Um, and for me in graduate school, I was like, this is, I already have the cake, the cake being the bachelor's degree. I'm just icing it and putting cherries on top. Like this is all, you, your life will be okay, right. you know, without this. Um, but those bad days were hard. You know, I felt um, isolated. I felt, um, you know, like I'm, I'm climbing a mountain no no safety net and you don't know how high it is and when are you going to stop and take a break and and then there's also the pressure you're watching your peers and it always somehow seems like everyone's doing better Um, at Yale particularly our culture was always to say we're fine I'm great everything's going I can do it it's easy Um, when really no one could do it no one was fine and it wasn't easy but we fed each other those lies and that just hurt everyone's mental health (laughs) now we're all sad because we all think everyone else is okay I think it's it's one thing that you said though like I could see how you can have those ups and downs Mm -hmm. but you're really studying something that or you're trying to prove something that no one has dared to even test yeah and you forget that too Mm -hmm. you know and you get in this this little society where everyone has phds or everyone's working towards phds and you don't even realize that when you look at the statistics like less than two percent of people in the world have a phd like it's not the common thing Mm -hmm. um but it starts to feel like like it's easier, you know. Everyone, everyone does it, or something like that. Um, so yeah, those those bad days um, were were difficult. And I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think just feeling defeated and understanding, you know, how to take it on the chin and just keep on stepping. And I'm an optimist, so that helped a lot. Um, but even I feel like an optimist couple run run on E after a little yeah. bit. Um, but yeah, just trying to encourage yourself. And I was thinking about my family, you know, and and the community. And you feel like everyone's rooting for you. And, you know, it's hard and it's strenuous. But um, at Yale, we also had this uh, alum. His name is Edward Boucher. And he was the first uh, black man to receive a PhD in the United States. He was also, I think, one of the first PhDs, period, awarded in the United States and many other accolades around his PhD. Um, but he was, I think, the son or grandson of a slave and, you know, was like first or second generation free folk. And he got his PhD from Yale in the 1800s. Okay. And when I had bad days, I was just thinking what he must have went through, through, you know? And I'm like, how hard? And if he can do it, I can surely do it. Um, so that gave me a lot of energy to motivation. keep going. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What about the good days? <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's like, it's like if you're doing open mics and stuff, you just have shitty sets. You yeah. know, throughout the week, and it's like nobody's laughing at a single joke. You get that one night, you just do it so good. You're like, yes. yeah, boy. <laughs> like, you just. So, what happens when the experiment goes right? What yeah. happens when you prove what you set out to do? It is a wonderful feeling. <laughs> it's like euphoria, right? Um, it's, it's amazing. To me, it's like this creative um, reward because I feel like I approach science in this um, not romantic, but. Um, exploratory way like I'm still a curious person and I want to try stuff and and see so when you've made a hypothesis and you've like made your educated guess and you've done all this reading and you think 
you know what you're going to see and you see it, oh, it's so reassuring. And you really feel like you, you forget a few of those bad days when you have a good day. You know, it kind of clouds your, your vision. But, um, yeah, it's just it, it reminds you why you're why you're in it and what you're doing. And you can t- share with your friends and, and tell everyone. Even if they don't even know. Even what if they don't about. know, and they're so happy for you because you're happy. Um, yeah, and th- those are great. Those are great days. When you said that this is a lifelong dream for you to get your dream job and everything, what's that feel? Yeah, you know, I'm still digesting that. It feels um, so. When I was very young, I wanted to go to the Ivy League. And that was my biggest dream. My parents were very firm on education, so they instilled that value in me really early. So I'd get the best education um, that you can get and get the most education that you can get. Um, So that was a dream. Um, I graduated high school in 2008, so that was like the economy (laughs) bottomed Mm. out. And I I had some good acceptances. I didn't get into the Ivy League for undergrad, though. Um, But I went to Miami because the financial aid was popping. So, and like those academic scholarships and things. And, but I went to Miami with a bit of a chip on my shoulder, you know, and I wanted more. Um, so I said, I'm just gonna put my head down here. Um, a mentor of mine told me to bloom where planted. So I went to Miami with the mindset of, I'm gonna do really well and, you know, come back out and see what I can do. Um, so yeah, get, getting into Yale was absolutely this, this dream. And then when I got there, I was like, shoot, it might be, Getting in may be the easy part. Getting out might be the hard part. So I was like, okay, I can, you know, you're not well, home free yet. That's one of the things, too, that I remember traveling and visiting different schools when I was looking for colleges yeah. to go to. And then the coaches were well, you know, the, the, the easy thing is getting here. Because <laughs> we can decide not to bring you back next year if we, if we do get you. So, like, that's yeah. that's one of the things that I can kind of relate to. With Absolutely. That. <laughs> yeah, getting through it is different than getting to it. Um, but to achieve it, you know, it's this pride. And I really feel like I've worked, like the PhD is not the culmination of six years, but to me it's a culmination of like 26 years, you know, since I could read. just saw a post on Instagram from another friend who Mm -hmm. has her PhD. She's like, it's almost like 26 years of me working my ass off. And then when you graduate, you're out of school. It's almost like a relationship that ended for you. Yes, (laughs) right. All I've done my whole life is school. Mm -hmm. And it was always also school where the sole return or goal was school. Like my metrics were always grades and the aim was always to get into the next best school. Mm -hmm. So now that I've, you know, achieved this lifelong goal, I got the degree that I always dreamt of. Now I've been really thinking about what does success look like as an adult in the workplace? How am I going to measure my success? I don't want to become complacent. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get this degree and hang it on the wall and be like, yeah, I did that yeah. thing then. Um, so I'm like, how do I keep pushing myself? And uh, what do what does that look like for me in the future? Um, so I've set some goals, you know. But, yeah, because it's not a GPA anymore. Right. Um, yeah. But, I mean, in that sense, taking on the task – of NASA, which may, to me, it's the way that you talk about it, it, makes you seem like you're so happy to be in that oh, place. Yeah. And I think that makes it way easier to perform well mm-hmm. in a situation, in an environment like that. But I think you're actually going to do pretty well because you've been successful since <laughs> I've known you. So. Yeah. But I think uh, one thing I would be interested to know is how do you plan on kind of giving back and, you know, just let other people know that they can do it too. Absolutely. Other black people, African-American people. Oh, yeah. 
Yes, I have a couple plans on how I plan to, you know, give back and kind of um, pull other people to and through um, with me. Um, So one way I plan to do that, I always do science outreach. Um, I think it's really powerful for people to see people who look like them or um, to see people also uh, that are accessible. I think a lot of times scientists aren't accessible, um, but it's like I listen to the same music that you listen to. My hair looks like yours, you know. Um, I think I'm socially normal, so I'm like, we can talk. Yeah, <laughs> I'm relatable. Um, and I think that's important because a lot of people get the stereotype in their head um, of what they think this, this community is like. And I think to demystify that for, for some students is really valuable. Um, or even making it seem realistic in a way. Yeah, that's true. And then also, as a researcher, I have the opportunity to bring on um, students to help me um, so I can take on summer interns or build my own research lab. Um, and I always have you know, women or people of color um, or women of color working in my lab with me. And I tell them, because I think um, hearing those words explicitly, you are a very curious person and a hard worker and you can do this and I think that you can do what I'm doing. I think those words will stick with them um, and remind them when the going gets tough because it'll get hard. And I think also letting people know that it wasn't easy for me. I think a lot of times people want to look and say, oh, you're a genius, like you skated right through. No, it's hard. It's intimidating. I had to study a lot. It wasn't, you know, all beautiful. Um, But if you hang in there, you can make this yours too. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's really important. Nice. That was. I feel like you practiced some of these answers already, <laughs> even though I didn't even give False, you a screw right. <laughs> <laughs> What's a, a day in the life of Doctor McMillan Brown? Like I don't know why I keep saying it like that. I appreciate uh, the drama. <laughs> <laughs> like what's your creative process in a way? You know, preparing to go into the lab and yeah. Thinking about what I don't even know how to, how that even process goes. Like I said, this is totally different for me. Absolutely. That's why I'm so excited about. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a day in the life is um, you start with a problem or a new innovation that you want. So you kind of look to the end of the road and say, ideally, what would I want out of this? And then you break it up into small chunks, um, like your baby steps. How might I get to that or prove that? Um, and then while I'm doing that. I'm thinking of how will I get something to work, but I'm also thinking how will I prove that it works, because I have to prove to the scientific community um, that this functions the way that I say. Um, So those are the two things that I'm mapping out. So that'll lead me to making certain grouping of samples, performing a certain set of measurements on them, and then um, writing up that data uh, and communicating it either in a paper or a poster or a scientific talk like at this conference. Um, So that's the process. I personally um, love biomimicry, and biomimicry is the practice of seeing things that exist in nature and mimicking them for your own use. Mm -hmm. So I had a professor at Miami that said a lot of the answers to our questions have already been answered in the world. You just have to find them. Um, For instance, there's this butterfly that exists in the rainforest, and it has these scales in their wings that they're patterned like hexagons. And the butterfly wings have these beautiful blue and red colors, but there's actually no pigments in their wings. The colors come from their manipulation of light. So I'm really interested in taking those scales out of the wing and putting them into solar cells and manipulating the light Mm. by replicating um, the process that the butterfly does. So I do a lot of kind of 
uh, investigating of nature and seeing how how does nature solve this problem? What are the animals or the trees and things doing? Um, because really, uh, if you believe God it was the best engineer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Didn't expect that answer. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but I mean, that it's interesting to know that you're studying. It's almost like you're studying something to study something to create, and then yeah. you know, and I don't. How how do you enjoy something like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a very uh, intellectual process, but it's. It's the same thing that makes it scary is what makes it interesting. Mm. And that's that you're doing something that's never been done before. Right. Um, so there's also this small slither that, like, you're not certain that it can it be works. done, you know? Um, but you do your theory and you try to make sure, you know, <laughs> we try to make in- incremental steps so right. we, we think this is feasible. Um, but, yeah, and that's that's also what helps me manage kind of my mood if things aren't going that way. It's like no one, you know, mankind has not solved this problem right. yet. Um, so you are at a frontier and you're actively, you know, uh, forging a new path. Mm-hmm. Um, and that allows for creativity and kind of some personal expression. Um, and it's not art, but in me, that's like a little bit of my, mm-hmm. like, you know, artistic um, freedom comes right. from the, the way I approach the problem mm-hmm. um, and kind of the spin that I put on it. To that effect, I think that's why it's so valuable that we do include all communities in science mm-hmm. because the spin and the vision, the different perspectives, yes, that you'll bring to the field is imperative. We need everyone at this table to solve these problems because there are certain things that women or people of color or you know uh, immigrants will see differently than the the typical or the majority white men that are leading this field. Mm-hmm. What is what is it like maneuvering that? that yeah. idea <laughs> not just this I, I would say not just the stereotypes like you said that glass ceiling but mm-hmm. realizing that you're going to work hand in hand with people they say are the problems with people that we think you know are the majority and mm-hmm. do cause these what's the word microaggressions Absolutely. and different things like that yeah I think that's a dual thrust problem I think part of it is kind of the way um the energy that you bring to the interaction. So I try to give, treat every individual like an in- individual because I'd be doing a disservice to stereotype this group mm-hmm. and you know already think that this person is going to treat me a certain way because they have membership to this group. Because some of my best mentors and closest friends are white men, mm-hmm. white male engineers, and they pull me up and help me through my problems. Um, but also the macroaggressions, microaggressions, and all those things can also come from members of that same group. Um, now, how I deal with that, it erodes at you. And, you know, it's it's difficult. Um, there are people, and I've really been having a problem with it lately because it's like the person of color, our defense mechanism is go to the best university, get the highest degree, like have your paperwork together, get the credentials. And then you would think this would give you access to this group, this space, you've proved yourself. But then they, in air quotes, can still, they negotiate who gets access to the space, who really feels comfortable at the meetings, who is heard, um, you know, those types of things. Um, So that's, that's harder to negotiate, but at the end of the day, I feel like the way I'm going to negotiate it is to perform. There are going to be some instances where I'm paired with someone who really views me as subhuman, doesn't think that black people can do math, or doesn't think that women can do math. Um, and there, it's sad that there are people out there that really think our DNA is just predisposed to have 
have less intelligence, which is ridiculous. Um, but they're out there. And that I just kind of hold on and do my best. And um, now I'm prepared that you're going to respect me. I have right. been demanding respect from people because I'm a peer in the field now. And I'm stepping into that role. Um, I will not be your emotional punching bag. Mm-hmm. Um, it's too much for me. It's, it's inappropriate. It's unacceptable. Um, so I, I'm claiming my space. But I'm also doing the job. You know, I, I, we have to get this job done. Um, I also don't want to regularly cry out to superiors for lifeboats or life yeah, jackets. You I, I know? think that's a very important thing, too, yeah. for us as black people in, in those spaces, too, is that idea is that not everybody's going to be comfortable in there. And that's why I feel like um, it's like one book is like all the black kids at the, at the lunch table or something mm-hmm. like that. I've been meaning to pick it up, but the idea is that you, we, we kind of have to stick together in those right. situations. Yeah. Even if you don't know anybody from Adam, you just see, okay, that's another black person. I'm pretty sure it's the same way for other uh, minority groups, but Absolutely. the idea is that you do have to kind of stick together and bring each other up and make make sure that every everybody's okay in those type of situations. Yes, yeah. And one thing I've learned, there really is room for everybody. I think, you know, through grad school, uh, when I entered grad school, I was a competitive person, and mm-hmm. I thought, you know, if I tell someone else about an opportunity, that lessens the likelihood. You know, it's like I'm running a race against everybody else, mm-hmm. um, but my mindset has definitely shifted, and now I will get an opportunity and email it to everybody, everybody. that I know. I'm like, we need to get on this, because there's enough opportunities and funding for everyone. We just need to encourage more people to hop in. Or even know where to look in some cases, too. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think that was one of the things with like the podcasting aspect for me is just figuring out exactly what I wanted the show to be, how I wanted to grow. And who I wanted to have on the show, you yeah. know, and that's why I was like, yeah, I saw your post. I'm like, I gotta get Lizzie on here because <laughs> I feel like she'd be a very interesting person to sit down and talk to so about glad. these things. Like, but I appreciate it and everything. But what is some of the things outside of work and school that you feel like? How do you feel about the culture right now? Yeah, you know, our culture, American culture. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I think. For the past few years, it's been really hard to watch American culture. Um, I think, you know, people have really lost their way as far as morals and just concern for your neighbor. And there's a lot of uh, individualistic thought, you know, me, 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 and you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and I'm gonna, you know, hoard resources. Um, I think our culture has been brainwashed by uh, large corporations. I think it's sad that the middle and lower class individuals are kind of looking at each other and fighting over resources when none of our wages are what they should be, and but the the corporations are hoarding the wealth. Um, so instead of paying, you know, your food service worker full wages, you have the food service worker at odds with the middle class patron because of tips, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, that is a small battle that's not addressing the actual problem. So those types of things about the culture bother me. African American culture is beautiful, and I love it, and I love our people. It's it's such a (laughs) great time right now just for black people, but the idea that there are still... I would put it this way. I enjoy the fact that we're able to thrive. Now, I enjoy that fact. And it's almost as impressive 
and encouraging to see us going through so much strife. Yeah. And what you can see on social media, what you see on the news every Absolutely. single day, and still have success. Right. Being, you know, produced or made. I don't know. Yeah. And that's that's a part of our culture that just breaks my heart is seeing all this potential ripped away from us mm-hmm. immediately and too soon and so frequently, mm-hmm. and the excuses come up so quickly, and the justification of, of violence on black bodies is appalling. And it's something, you know, we dealt with at Yale at New Haven. We had a, a black student made to lay down, you know, pulled a gunpoint because he was leaving the library at night. Like the most model student, you know, faced this this situation, and we recently had the shootings uh, in New Haven um, of unarmed black people mistaken, and that's something as a black woman I worry about. My husband is a black man, uh, an academic, and he walks home late from the lab at night in these spaces where people already assume he doesn't belong, and you know, there's no way that we can dress that saves us from this profiling and these bullets and you can be in a Yale sweatshirt and you're, you know, leather loafers and they're still gonna, oh, scary big black man, I think he's robbing something. Um, And that's unnerving and I really hope that we can do something. I don't know the answer, but something has got to change. This is not sustainable. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. what about your influences and everything like that? What are you What are you taking in right now? What are you reading? What are you listening to? Yeah, um, I've been reading a lot of great things. That's how I've been using my uh, summer that I, I'm available. Um, what are some of the good things I've been reading? Gosh, I've been reading some like memoirs and essays, um, and those have been really nice. Uh, the one I'm reading right now is called The Opposite of Loneliness, and it's by this uh, Yale grad. He graduated from undergrad, I think, with uh, English type degree and like a week after graduation she was tragically killed in a car accident um, but they they collected her short stories and essays and compiled them and so far it's beautiful I'm really enjoying that um, I've also been reading a lot of books just about our culture about you know I have um, uh, Tanahasi Coates' book on my list um, as far as novels I love to read Pearl Klee she's this uh, black woman alum Spelman College and she writes these beautiful novels just celebrating blackness and she also really does a great job of touching on the challenges of our culture and the problems and the nuances within our black communities Um, but they're wound into these beautiful stories with strong female leads so I like that Um, what I'm listening to I love me some Cardi B okay I've been all over it (laughs) love Cardi B Um, I haven't been watching too much lately one funny thing um, throughout my thesis I started watching animated shows. I had previously not watched any really? of this before, but I watched Family Guy, the okay. whole series, and I really like it. And now I'm working my way through The Simpsons. I'm about halfway through. Where have you been? I know, I know. I'm late. I'm really late. I started when the show started. Um, started from season one, working my way through. So yeah, that's been kind of a cool new... Um, I used to think like, oh, if it's animated, it's childish or it's stupid, you know, like... it. But there are actually some really you know interesting themes that are in these shows and sometimes they really highlight like what's wrong with our culture <laughs> true <laughs> and they poke silly. fun at it in a, it, not even tactful it always sometimes right. like super like, blatant like, sometimes <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching one episode of Family Guy. I can't believe they just said that shit on TV. Exactly. <laughs> like, did this just happen? Um, but sometimes it's nice to watch yourself get called out 100%. Um, you know, 
And for some reason, it seems just less offensive when it's mm. animated. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier on the eyes, I guess. Yes. <laughs> um, one one thing I ask each guest, you know, with your success now, the PhD, the, the thesis is defended. Yes. You're a doctor. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are three things you would tell someone starting out on the journey, mm-hmm. doing something creative, if it's pursuing a doctoral degree, or is that even what it's called? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doctorate. Uh, yeah. You know, what are three things you'd tell them? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Three things I would tell them. I would say the first would be don't let anyone stop you from achieving your goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something. The second thing would uh, say to take care of yourself. Mm. Um, It's so important to sustain your whole self on these journeys. They are long and it is, you know, you have multiple parts, body, mind, soul, all of it, nurture all of it. Um, And the third, I would say, is to establish relationships. Romantic relationships, friendships, the relationships with your family, because at the end of the day, you know, if you're this Nobel laureate scientist with this long CV and all these achievements, is that really kind of what matters when it's the end of your life? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, is that what you'll remember? You know, I, when I look back, I remember so much of the people I was with and the energy I felt and those experiences, and not so much about which experiment did or didn't work because it's all in the past now. It doesn't matter as soon as it's done. True. Yeah, but those relationships will last a lifetime. How did you take care of yourself? How did you make those connections and relationships? Yeah. um, I took care of myself. Uh, I started by baking, um, and that was something Hmm. that I I did a lot of through grad school um, in my second and third years, and it it became like this nervous thing, like I had something to do and I was scared. So my husband would come home, I'd be like, I made a cake today. And then he'd come back tomorrow, I made another cake. And it's just like, you're making too many cakes. Um, but first it was like moderately compulsive baking. Um, but it was something that if you do it right, it's going to work. You know, if you follow the directions, you're guaranteed to get this product on the outside. And then grad school, nothing else was guaranteed to work. So it was nice so to it was be like, like, I got this I little success this. on the side. Right. My shit didn't work, but I made a cake. Right, I made, I made a another cake. cake. <laughs> so that was how it started. Um, but then a much better <laughs> turn um, was I started CrossFit. Nice. Um, and I've been doing CrossFit for a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been great because it's re- reserved time for yourself. Mm-hmm. If you put in the time, you will see results. Like you will get stronger or faster. Um, and that's great. And then our health is so important. It is so important. We have these health conditions that come through the black community, you know, hypertension, diabetes, and all these things. So baking cakes was not the answer um, with diabetes <laughs> coming down the family tree. Um, but to be aware of your health and to have an activity that's a stress reliever and like proactive was great. And that really helped me mentally mm-hmm. when I started that. Nice. I don't know if you're ready for this one though. Because I don't, I don't think we've ever had that conversation about music and everything but I ask each guest usually at the end of each show mm-hmm. to rate themselves on the Kanye West confidence level. Oh gosh. 
It's not even a formal name for it, but mm-hmm. it goes from College Dropout to now Yay, which is his last album. Uh-huh. Now, to tell you the whole background behind this, at first I was like, okay, let's make 10 the best or whatever. It'll be Yay. But, like, I've had a couple of interviews and everybody's like, no, I think he was just most confident doing College Dropout. College Dropout was, that's what he was like. Where would you rate yourself on his discography? Ooh. See, that's hard because I feel like College Dropout to me is my my favorite, like Mm -hmm. the best of his music. Mm -hmm. But I think he is more confident in himself now, (laughs) the present day. Um, But it's like this false confidence. Um, But see, that's another thing that this brings up. uh, Another conversation is, is it or are we seeing him be himself? Oh. And it's just not the self that we like. Look at you. Okay. What do you mean? Look That's at fair. me. No, I'm just, you know, you just, okay, dropping knowledge, I see. I would say for me, if I had to impose myself on this scale, I would align with College Dropout. And I feel like because College Dropout felt like relatable, accessible, mm-hmm. grounded, and like kind of for the people. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like with Ye, it's like Kanye for Kanye, mm-hmm. take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. But I would like to think that I'm still like college shop outside of things. <laughs> when you put it that, that's the first time someone's explained it that way. So, yeah, I get that. There we go. I get that. <laughs> that was a tough one, though. I mean, is it is it really is it really tough because of the question, or is it tough because of the person that we were discussing? When we were probably, yeah, probably Kanye. Kanye is a moving target, right? <laughs> like it's just like, you never know where he's headed. Yeah. I feel like you're not really the fan of Mr. West. He's okay, but <laughs> but not, you know. I like college dropout. <laughs> but you're more into Cardi, so I should have did Cardi, but she's got what the, the well, what's, her, what's your favorite Cardi B single right now? <laughs> Ooh. Um, you know, Money. I like that one. I think I heard that one yeah, before. That's a good one. I played that a lot. And it's, I would never expect you to listen to like Cardi B. Though. Yeah, why is that? I don't know, maybe like alt rock, uh, maybe some early 90s hip hop. That's why I would put you I in that, like that demographic. You know, Cardi, she's just like empowering and strong and unapologetic with who she is. Mm-hmm. And that, like, you know, screw you, I'm gonna do me, really kind of amped me up. And I like it. I feel like you probably needed it. Absolutely. <laughs> she gave me exactly what I needed on time. So. Yeah, that's just a perfect thing to listen to. I, I can respect yeah, that. Just secure the money bag. Don't think about these people. <laughs> well, Dr. McMillan Brown, uh, I'd like to say thank you for taking time out of your week in Chicago and your conference of very important people. <laughs> Why <are> you laugh? <laughs> I appreciate it. Great to see you. Wish you great success. Tell the fam I said what's up. The hubby too. What's going on, bro? <laughs> I haven't met him, so. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It, mm-hmm. This has been so fun. It's great to catch up and sit down. And I think you're doing a wonderful thing with this podcast. Mm, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> thank you, ma'am. Anytime. week's episode guys appreciate you checking it out um if you want to follow Lindsay, well dr Lindsay mcmillan brown i would say you can check her out on instagram 
um, or just Google it. Like that's no pretentious, no bullshit. Like with that, you can actually type her name into Google, Dr. Lindsay McMillan Brown, and you will get her information. Not only her information with NASA, but also the information. I think she was in the last 1809 uh, at Miami of Ohio, which is kind of a big deal. I <laughs> uh, hope to one day get to that point. I don't even know if they let comics or uh, creatives onto that list, but I think it would be pretty dope as your, uh, your alum, alumni to put you on something like that doing something different uh but you can also find her on instagram at, at dr mcmillan brown on ig check her out um and yeah i also have a show coming up it'll be september 26th the ashbury comedy show ashbury comedy show um it starts at 10 p.m and it's at 8695 archer avenue it's a ways away but i just wanted to put that out there kind of excited about getting another show actually got to it i was pretty fun so i appreciate that uh but yeah thanks for checking out this week's episode guys hopefully i will talk to you next week lastly don't forget to follow the show on instagram and on twitter at it's your world pie underscore and then follow me as well on ig and twitter as well at it's jordan Bruh underscore as well talk to you later guys Thank you.